As I write this, it's the last week of February 2022. So if you made a New Year's resolution to lay off the sweets and sugar and carbs, chances are you've given up on that by now. So I hope you don't mind this episode getting a little indulgent. We're talking here today about one of those St. Louis food traditions that really sticks with you. Not just to your ribs, but to your gums. A little slice will do, but who could do just that? Chocolate, red velvet, but original is always a good option, as a cookie in your ice cream. Because if it's good, it's gotta be gooey butter. Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, an essential slice of this city's food scene. Because in two and a half years of this podcast, we've somehow never done a gooey butter cake episode. That changes now. We felt like we should do local treats, and what's more local to St. Louis than gooey butter cake? Why a food historian says the recipe is so enduring, even with all of its changes. And why love is truly a special ingredient for some of our area's favorite spots for the treats. It's just a really gooey, gooey, sugary cake that melts in your mouth. And where I will be getting my gooey butter fix pretty soon. Plus, as always, food news and your weekend planner. Stopping into Federhofer's Bakery in South St. Louis, you'd hardly know we just thawed out from a round of winter weather. Or maybe all the bread buying was to replenish their snow day stock. It was busy. Um, We do everything from coffee cakes to Danish rolls to donuts to cookies. Cookies have become very popular. I'm not there to buy bread or anything else, really. I'm there to talk to one of their loyal patrons food historian and author Suzanne Corbett. Well, you want to talk about gooey butter cake and you talk about the history and you have to think about the people who came up with the idea and it's German bakers. You have to be in a German bakery. Federhofer's is, I think, one of the last true South St. Louis German bakeries around. And these guys have a hookup on how to do the gooey butter cake the right way. Legend has it, like so many good food things in St. Louis, gooey butter was a mistake in a South City kitchen sometime in the 1930s. It was the result of too much butter, or maybe too much sugar, shortening, or maybe all of the above. Whatever it was, it was a hot mess, but a tasty hot mess. I asked our food historian about it. If you look at the internet and you read anything else about gooey butter cake, there's a lot of stories of people saying, oh, it came from this, it came from that, this is the original one. What is your version of the origin of gooey butter that you stick with, your favorite origin story? Well, gooey butter cake has got a convoluted story, much like toasted ravioli. You've got three or four names that are out there bannered saying, oh, I did it, oh, I did it. Uh, However, all these bakers kind of chummed around quite a little bit. In fact, my father when he retired from the painting trade, decided to go into baking. And all these guys shared recipes, and I know that Cheryl Federhofer here would uh, also agree with that, that they all get together and they swap recipes and do things, and they're different. Uh, But they all have a similarity. Now, who actually did the first gooey butter? Was it a mistake? It probably was, but you remember, this is Southside St. Louis Dutch, and we don't waste nothing. We don't throw anything out, so we're going to bake it and, and make it work, much like how brown and serve rolls got started. It, you know, they were uh, invented when a fire hit the bakery. They pulled the, 
the dough out, half-baked, and they didn't want to throw it away, so they threw it back in the oven, and it worked. I think a similar kind of a story may have well happened with the gooey butter. Because the gooey butter, unlike with your um, ingredients for a home cook with the cream cheese and stuff, one of their base ingredients is what's called a baker's glucose, which is a really high, uh, thick kind of a corn syrup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what you're really going to get the goo from, which is hard for for a home baker to get. So that's why they sneak in cream cheese and stuff like that, which it's okay. It doesn't taste bad, but you know what? For the connoisseur with the educated palate, it's not quite the same. Well, them might be fighting words to the local gooey butter aficionados who swear by the stuff at Park Avenue Coffee. When Dale Shodi and his sister started the place in 2006, they knew it was the quintessential St. Louis treat to offer in their bakery. They go by their mom's recipe which does in fact include that controversial ingredient. How I would describe gooey butter cake to someone who's never had it before is it's two components. It's a crust and a filling. And the crust is a dense yellow cake crust with the filling being cream cheese, powdered sugar, and butter. So it's a very decadent, rich dessert. That might be the only requirements, really. There are gooey butter cakes out there that have a cookie crust. Mm. There are some that are really deep gooey where it's almost like an oil slick on the top of a cracker kind of a thing. But it's all in what you like, and when you have something that's an original, you know you're going to have imitations, and they're going to try to involve and do different things with it, because that's what chefs and bakers do. In my research for this story, I came across a little something that made me laugh. An article in the New York Times from 1989 calls it a gastronomic lunacy with a shamelessly childish name, something with a seemingly endless variety of recipes about which we aren't snobby. Gotta love how people gotta hate on St. Louis. Okay, so perhaps it isn't exactly for that educated palate Suzanne just mentioned. Oh, the name fits, but some people are kind of put off by it. They think, ooh, gooey, but I go, ooh, gooey, ooey, gooey butter. It's really good. What gooey butter is traditionally is a uh, almost like a, a uh, similar to a uh, yeast dough that's raised, almost a very rich pastry kind of a enriched egg base to it and then you have your what you call your your gooey schmear on the top of it and that bakes up beautifully you can either have a traditionally or deep butter which has even more goo (laughs) more goo like what you'll find behind the counter where Suzanne and I stand talking to Cheryl Federhofer she bought the bakery from her parents after they ran it for 55 years she's preparing to pass it on to her sons the bakery and all its recipes our gooey butter cake is a original gooey butter cake it's made with really fresh ingredients lots of butter eggs um, corn syrup things like that it makes it really really good real gooey and yummy Um, when it's baked the edges get a little bit crispy on the edges and then the centers are real gooey and it's it's original it's a really good recipe we make about 100 at a time or more just depends on the day Um, it starts with a real soft dough on the bottom and then they put the corn syrup egg mixture on top sugar and then bake it in the oven simple and it's simple but what makes a perfect gooey butter cake the the fresh ingredients no preservatives 
we're known for no preservatives in any of our products here. How important is it to you now having a third generation of your family running this bakery too, to stick with that originality with those tried and true recipes? Oh, it, it, it's very important because my dad's still involved in the business. He comes in every day. He just left a minute ago. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's just so everybody, you know, remembers all the old-fashioned type bakeries, and there's not a lot of us left. That same New York Times article cited an account by Joyce Schwartz in the Master Retail Baker's Bulletin writing about gooey butter, saying, quote, Of one thing there can be no doubt. It's a St. Louis original and an acquired taste not shared by those in other parts of the country. Ha! That sure as heck is changing now. O Magazine, you know, the publication by a lady by the name of Oprah Winfrey, singled out the gooey butter ice cream at Clementine's Naughty and Nice Creamery as sexiest ice cream alive. Man, what a distinction. Sexiest ice cream alive, yes. You can get it shipped around the country, and you can get gooey butter cakes shipped around the country from a lot of our favorite local bakeries, too. More and more bakeries in other cities are trying their hand at recipes of their own. It's getting attention because it's so good. I mean, Paula Dean is doing it. She's not doing it quite the way a good old-fashioned German St. Louis baker would do it, <laughs> but it's still good. Yeah. But you're going to see different types of gooey butters across the country because they're popular. They're good. They're great tasting. But, you know, the original is hard to beat. And to get the original, oh, you got to come to St. Louis. So we're back here in the podcast booth. This is producer Dory. Hey, producer Dory. Joined by host Abby Larico. Hello. Here. So talking about gooey butter cake, and we can't just keep it here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It is being available all over the place now. Yeah. And shipping all over the place mm-hmm. now, which is especially of interest to you. Yeah. So some news here. Um, you know, most gooey butter cake is sweet, not bittersweet, but I'd say that that's how I would categorize this particular um, bit of food news is that I'm leaving St. Louis. I am moving to Washington, D.C. I'm actually going to be working at your old station, mm-hmm. WUSA. It's the CBS affiliate in Washington, D.C. Um, a sister station uh, going to the morning show, doing all sorts of stuff there. You know, it's 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 bittersweet. I'm going to miss St. Louis. I'm going to miss this podcast. You know, it's we've done a lot of great stuff in the past two and a half years, Dory. We sure have. Almost three years. Almost three years. And yeah, almost closer to three years at this point. Um, You know, when we first started, you were the person who happened to have worked on podcasts up at WUSA. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, you want to go to a farm with me? And (laughs) that's kind of the only reason we were able to do this is because it's like she knows what she's doing with this kind of stuff. (laughs) right I'm just gonna wear a hat and call it good and we've become friends we've done all sorts of great storytelling and it's bittersweet St. Louis will always be home the food here will always taste a little sweeter to me Um, but luckily the folks in Washington DC have already sent me a list of places where gooey butter cake is available exactly some of the places I already recognize um just from having been in DC ever um like baked and wired Mm -hmm. they have that's kind of a famous bakery in DC they have a um gooey butter on the menu and a baked joint is their like sister 
business. Okay. Um, and there's one very, very close to where I'm going to be living. <gasps> so this could be, Perfect. I could eat more gooey butter. TBD. We'll see. We'll see. Well, obviously, this is hard news for us to pass on and share. But a little bit of a silver lining is that you are staying in the company. Mm -hmm. So we could still see your smiling face on our (laughs) TV here in St. Louis because we share stories and packages and um, all of that. So we could still see and hear you a little bit here. So it's not quite goodbye. Exactly. And again, I'm from here. So y'all still see me (laughs) like you'll if you're see me at Schnook still like Say hi. That's fine. Um, And when it comes to the podcast, uh, since making the announcement like on social media a little bit ago, had a lot of questions about what's happening with the podcast. So we promise to keep you posted. Um, Do not unsubscribe. We still have some episodes that we're going to be dropping in your feed here, even just in the next couple of weeks. Um, So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, I, I can. I think it's safe to say that this kind of storytelling is really important to the station. So um, we're in talks of how we can continue telling the stories of St. Louis restaurants and businesses and just the food, the story behind the food is really important to us here at Channel 5. So we want to continue doing that and we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. Exactly. There's still a lot of St. Louis left to be eaten. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, now let's move on to some other less personal news, shall we? Dory, you've always got a good wrangling of news, and we have quite the selection of information, including some kind of breaking news here right off the top as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. So St. Louis County Executive Sam Page just announced that the county will be ending its mask requirement starting Monday. Instead, the health department will have an advisory that encourages people to wear masks instead. And that is mostly, especially the case in those crowded indoor areas. Mm -hmm. But did want to remind everybody that private businesses can still ask you to wear a mask. Remember, that's their right to do so. And the federal mask requirement is still in place through March 18th. So that's airports, planes, trains train stations and buses, Mm -hmm. including school buses. So just remember that federal mandate is still in place. And obviously we've gone through a lot of ups and downs, ins and outs with the mass requirements over the last two years. Through all of that, the city and county have had similar orders throughout the pandemic. So Paige addressed that this morning. He Mm -hmm. said the, um, the city's mandate is still in place for now, but he anticipates the city following the county's suit. So we could still have them making changes over the next few days yeah. in the city. Just uh, keep an eye out on K2K.com. Absolutely. And again, we're recording this on early Wednesday afternoon. So um, that is the latest there. Great reminder, Dory, about where places are could still be requiring masks, um, especially those private businesses. Obviously, there's a strong chance somebody listening to this has walked into a St. Louis County business either not wearing a mask Mm -hmm. or seeing somebody else not wearing a mask. It's kind of gone by the wayside as far as enforcement, I'd say, in many places. It has truly become up to the individual businesses in many ways um, over the past several months. Um, But regardless, I'd say keep it handy. Just like, does it have to make sense to you to wear your mask between your table and the bathroom? Not necessarily. But you know what? If that's what somebody's asking you to do, Mm -hmm. that costs you nothing. That's a very, like, easy way to just kind of... Kind of say, hey, I value this restaurant, this establishment, and I want to make sure y'all can keep going. And if this is what it makes you feel more comfortable and your staff feel more comfortable, then just go with it. And you can smile under the mask and people can tell you're smiling still. Don't you worry about that. 
Exactly. All right. Good so point. also, speaking of big crowds, <laughs> yes. uh, there is an event this weekend that is back for the first time in its true form since 2020. And yes. all of St. Louis is going to get a little bit rowdier for this one. A little thing called Mardi Gras mm-hmm. coming back to St. Louis and Soulard this weekend. It was virtual last year. I was looking up kind of what the situation was last year because that feels like forever ago. Mm -hmm. So things were virtual. There was no parade. And it's probably a good thing that there was no parade or anything going on anyway because there was a high of like 14 degrees last year. You're like a little almanac looking that up. (laughs) 14 degrees. But this year, not quite as cold. But I have a feeling people are amped up and ready to get their Mardi Gras on. Absolutely. If it's anything like the pet parade was this past weekend, a mm-hmm. lot of people came out to enjoy that. But, of course, the Grand Parade is the crown jewel of the Mardi Gras festivities. So what do we need to know about that? Yeah, that kicks off Saturday at 11. This goes basically from outside patios over to Broadway and then down towards Anheuser-Busch, um, the same route that I think they usually take every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Not going to make anything different there. Um, getting there. Traffic is going to be a nightmare. Parking is going to be a nightmare. So just maybe don't. Yeah, I was going to say parking is essentially going to be impossible. Don't even try to drive down there. If you went to the pet parade this past weekend and tried to scout out some spots, forget about it. Yeah. Because those city streets are really reserved for residents. They have parking permits to be able to park on their own street during yeah. Soulard, or during Mardi Gras. So don't even plan on driving there. If you do want to go, um, try instead using Metrolink. You can get off at that Bush Stadium exit uh, station. That'll really dump you off right by the the start of the parade. Mm-hmm. You can also take some different Metro bus uh, routes that are near Soulard. And you can try Uber and Lyft. They can get you somewhat close to the action. I think we all know Mardi Gras is about strapping on your tennis shoes and walking anyway so just be prepared exactly and make sure you have a plan with your friends in case cell phone service is an issue you know exactly where to go um what time you're gonna call that uber to get home and whatnot and one other note on that know which side of the parade they're gonna be on i've run into that before uh my friends were on one side we were on the other we couldn't cross until the parade was over so you had to just kind of like shimmy and dance your way across (laughs) to be like la 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 i'm part of the grabbed my beads and threw them like i was in it is that dory in the parade (laughs) That's amazing. Okay, so of course the parade is the big event, but it keeps on going after that. Yes, there's going to be the post-parade street party. This goes from 1 to 5. You'll expect live music, a high heel drag race, and an attempt at the world record for the largest game of Flip Cup, which I think right now is held by Chicago. We cannot let that stand. We can do better than that. Wait a minute. I might have to be part of that. I love Flip Cup. Yes. I love it. Like My family loves playing Flip Cup, even just like casually. It's like, oh, what are we doing? Sunday afternoon, we probably should play Flip Cup. That's amazing. Okay, that's fun. And then you can feel like you accomplished something this yeah. weekend at Mardi Gras. There you go. Um, okay, so how about, though, we... We were talking about weather a second ago. Sometimes it's a good thing to just have like a centralized meeting place, know where you're going. The tents have become an increasingly popular option for that. What is the latest with yeah, the Yeah, so the tents are, um, you're going to have your big ones there still, your Bud Light party tent, your Blues alumni tent. Um, anything that is affiliated with Soulard Mardi Gras, there will be COVID precautions in place. So mm. just remember that, keep that in mind. You will be required to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test from from within the last 72 hours. 
Plus, you'll need to have a photo ID to match up everything. Um, so remember to keep that handy, um, keep that with you. Also have a mask because like we said, who knows what the mask requirement situation will be this weekend in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as of right now still required in indoor settings. So just remember that if you're in any of those Soulard Mardi Gras affiliated tents. The businesses have their own um, requirements and orders as far as outside indoors they're still required yeah and what you can do is take some mardi gras beads like cut them so that they're open and make your own little mask chain you are so crafty you know there you go that one's free that's some free (laughs) advice for all of you party goers i love that of course keep in mind just stay safe have fun and keep the mardi gras spirit alive now mardi gras is not just like the the parade is the end of mardi gras season but then in st louis especially our ye old Catholic town that kicks off a new season, which is fish fry season. Fish fry season. And not like Lent, too. Le- but like, yeah. yeah, but fish fry season, fish fry right? Season. <laughs> I mean, we're a food podcast. We're yeah, going to talk about the exactly. fish fries. <laughs> so that will begin Wednesday. And of course, like every year, KSDK's fish fry map is back for 2022. We already have a couple dozen listed on there. I expect us to get another couple dozen more over the next week or so. That will be at ksdk.com slash fish fry. You can go there right now. Check it out. It's an interactive map where you can see where to get some fish, hush puppies, spaghetti, desserts near you this Lent. Dory, are you seeing or anticipating a lot of people doing like the order ahead like we've seen in the past just because of all the COVIDs? I have skimmed through a couple of the entries that we've gotten. I haven't really seen that yet, Mm -hmm. but I hope and assume that that will be the case. Maybe not for everyone as much as it was last year, but... In still still in some circumstances, yeah. It's a better reason to check the map because then you can kind of find out if it's a place you can just stop by or if yep. it's kind of an order ahead type of situation. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so our friends Tara and Michael Galena, the folks behind Vicia and Winslow's table, they have a big announcement that they're making. This is exciting news yeah. for them. Yeah, they made a couple different announcements this week, the biggest of which... They're expanding this year. A couple of new restaurants they're anticipating. First up, Takarita Morita. That will open in late May on a newly built garden side pavilion at Visia. Mm-hmm. It'll feature tacos, seasonal dishes, and veggies. They're seeing this as a casual extension of Visia. So a little bit more low key, yeah. but still um, has that same spirit of Visia. Cool. Um, as part of that. And then they have two other projects that are underway. They only talked about one of them, and they said it'll be a restaurant in the greater St. Louis area with more details coming this spring or summer. I love that. I actually stopped by the bar at Visia this past weekend and um, talked to Tara, so said hello to her. Um, and I had been there a couple weeks ago for another podcast project you guys will hear about uh, soon. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she, I, she didn't tell me about any of this. I'm like, yeah, of course, because I'm just sitting having a cocktail. So, like, I didn't want to talk business either. Right, but congratulations. Right. So I'm retroactively raising a toast to her and to the Hogalina family and the Holvisia group for all of that. So. Yes, very exciting news coming from them this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Good to hear about growth, too, after the past mm-hmm. couple of years. So, um, And let's end it with some more good news. Not a cherry on top, but perhaps a croissant a on croissant. top. <laughs> All right, we got another recognition for Nathaniel Reed Bakery. They have been announced as the having the best croissant in Missouri. This comes from Eat This Not That, which last year, by the way, dubbed them the best pound or the best cake in the state 
for their pound cake, Nathaniel mm-hmm. Reed. Um, Eat this, not that, described Nathaniel Reed's croissants as exquisite. Which it's hard to do. Like the flaker, flaky, buttery, mm-hmm. and there ain't no Pillsbury. Uh-uh. You know, it's good. Mm. Flaky and good and mm. Now I want that. Oh, I always get so hungry. I know. Even thinking about, like, looking back on the week, like, to what the best thing is I had to eat. So what was the best thing you had to eat this past week, Dory? Oh, man, we indulged this past week. Good for you. We did. We um, made reservations and had dinner with a couple friends at Tempest. Yeah. We finally did the indoor um, seating that they have now. We got them to go during the pandemic, and we knew it was good, but it's it's not like getting it fresh in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we were really excited to try them in the restaurant. And the way they do it, you pay ahead for a three-course meal. Mm-hmm. You go there, and then you get to pick which courses you want. So I had for my entree the beef rib. It was great. It was so tender and delicious. Um, for my appetizer, I had the broccoli, and it was really great, too. Mm-hmm. But the star for me was dessert. Yeah. I had a – it was called their grapefruit one. So I don't know if how seasonal it is, but it was a yuzu yogurt sorbet Ooh. on top of a granola crust. Ooh. It was like a little ice cream kind of dessert. It was like a little vacation. It was so – yes, it was like tropical and creamy and had that little bit of grapefruit acidity to mm-hmm. it, but it was still sweet and it wasn't overly grapefruity. Mm. Um, I just thought it was divine and I could have eaten a whole second one, even though I had already had two other courses before that. I know. Don't you hate that though? And then afterward, <sighs> you're like, man, why did I eat that other food when I could have just eaten dessert for <laughs> dessert? It was so good. Mm, that sounds really good. Um, I want to give an honorable mention first to the. Crab cakes at the 1860 Saloon Game Room and Hard Shell Cafe in mm. Soulard because for ta- they had Taste of Soulard happening during the dog parade this weekend. And so I went and got some crab cakes from there, and they were really good. Well, like, remember that for when you go out east. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I, I really shouldn't have because that's the thing. I'm like, oh, man, all the crab cakes I'm hoping to be eating soon. Mm-hmm. But they were really good. And good. Like, you don't always think of crab cakes is being very like portable street food if they were kind of like densely packed they were really tasty um but the main best thing I had to eat this week was finally booking catering for my summer wedding. Yay. And that is exciting. That's been stressful, uh, just getting all that stuff coordinated. So um, we had a tasting with the folks at Urban Canvas and the prime rib. Mm. Mm, I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, it's actually like juicy melt in your mouth. And I know wedding food gets like a bad rap for just not being that great. I've had some great wedding food before. I'm like, I think this is pretty darn good. So, and I've been to some weddings in St. Louis with really good food. And so it's one of the things that made this process seem so like stressful. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 I don't want to have... Stereotypical bad wedding food, and I'm excited because, first off, having a catering tasting is the funniest thing because you feel like you're like a king and a queen sitting in a room, (laughs) like having somebody bring you individually plated things to just like be like, "Mm, yes, interesting, but no, not this one. No, not that, and just like spit it out and walk away. No, No. Um, the prime rib though, I was just like, "Mm, yeah, this is definitely a thing. I know that's really good. I know that's been really stressful because everybody having a food podcast, everyone's like, what food are you going to do for the wedding? Mm -hmm. No stress there at all. Yeah, we've made a couple other decisions too. I think there's going to be some pretty fun little things on the menu, but so far all I'm willing to disclose is that there will be prime rib and it will be tasty. I'm excited. Come hungry, Dory. (laughs) All right, so the weekend planner, we are looking 
looking ahead to what weekend is this? The weekend of February 25th through 27th. You have it written right there. I could have just looked at that. Instead, I had to look at a calendar. Make it more complicated. Um, last weekend in February. Oof, this year's flying by. Um, if Mardi Gras is like in your blood, but a trip down to Sular just isn't in your heart, that's okay. You can have the Mardi Gras parade in St. Charles Frenchtown as mm. well. It's a historic area of St. Charles. I mean, a lot of St. Charles Main Street is historic. So you get those kind of similar vibes. Mm -hmm. This is their first ever Mardi Gras parade, though. Um, it's happening... It's going to start down at 11 a.m. at the park at Bainbridge and 2nd and head down 2nd Street to the Foundry Art Center. This one is said to be more family and kid-friendly also. So if you're, like, really having those vibes where you're like, I'm not bringing my youth <laughs> to Soulard, I, first off, you're right in that in that idea. Um, but then also, yeah, it's a great opportunity to head out to St. Charles for that. Um, again, 11 a.m. And they're just planning the parade at this point. But the city is hoping to grow the event in years to come. So all sorts of opportunities to celebrate one of St. Louis's favorite events. And St. Charles has such a French history yes. as well. It seems to make sense. I can't believe this is their first one. I know. And a family-friendly version of that, too. Mm -hmm. I was talking with my aunt this week about a time when I was probably 10 and me and my cousins insisted we go to the Mardi Gras parade and my family was horrified to, horrified to take us and they remember certain things that my young eyes do not remember. So what are your memories of it? My memories are they basically had us at the beginning where the parade didn't even start. Yeah. It was like pre-parade area to try to keep us away from the crowds and <laughs> I remember beads like getting beads and buying beads there you go it was fun I had fun but I think my um, aunt uncle and mom are still a little horrified like what did we us. do hey we encourage you head out there it's fun it's a fun debaucherous rowdy time yes. but like if you're not looking for debaucherous or rowdy and you had young dory today <laughs> Maybe try St. Charles. Maybe St. Charles instead. Mm -hmm. Okay, what about like if you're just kind of, you're into more of the gras part of Mardi Gras, as in like the indulging and the eating and the just like rolling in all the tasty stuff. Then we've got the perfect event for mm -hmm. you this Sunday, Bacon Fest 2022. This what? is coming back. Alpha Brewing Company holding the second annual event. They said they are clearing out their barrel house to bring you unlimited samples of unique bacon-themed dishes from local restaurants that's not enough they'll have live music and all you can drink beer man it's gonna be a weekend in st wow. i just feel full i already. know i'm getting thirsty <laughs> <laughs> uh for this one tickets are required and you have to show proof of vaccination and this is another one of those events too um mass will be required per city health order so keep an eye on that mm -hmm. always have an update on ksdk.com as that comes available <laughs> All right, we have breaking news. I repeat, breaking news. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> Can you do that the entire time I'm talking? Oh, no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> okay, we were just walking out of the podcast booth when we learned that some of our St. Louis area chefs and restaurants were nominated in the 2022 James Beard Foundation Awards. Of course, this is the 
top culinary prize in the world. Incredibly prestigious. Mm-hmm. They just a little background back in 2020. They had decided that they were going to cancel, not move forward. They weren't going to name. Mm-hmm. The, they weren't moving forward with the awards basically in 2020 yes. from the semifinalists due to all of the just changes and turbulence in the food and restaurant industry. They scrapped the 2021 awards altogether, mm-hmm. but they are back in 2022. And we have some St. Louis names and faces back on the list again. Yes. Love to see this. Six St. Louis area chefs and one restaurant made the list of semifinalists. So this is the first step. Uh, from here, there's a couple more, but it's uh, a really huge recognition to even make it this far. Mm-hmm. First up, we've got Ben Groupie of Tempest being named or nominated as the emerging chef in the emerging chef category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for him. I mean, he was nominated as a semi, or he made it to a semifinalist stage rather in the Best Chef Midwest category in 2018. But this is, I think, because of Tempest and the new restaurant that was able that opened in November of 2021, which I just tasted and had as my best. Eggs, thing. We just and talked about it. Yes, so good. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. All right, moving along here, we've got Elise Mensing. She was named a semifinalist in the Outstanding Pastry Chef category for her work at Brasserie by Niche. She's been with Gerard Kraft and his team for more than 15 years, mostly at Brasserie. You can't skip dessert when you go there, and mm-hmm. she's being recognized for that. All right, we also have a really big category here. Four local chefs named semifinalists in the Best Chef Mid- Best Chef Midwest category. Mm-hmm. We've got Ben Welch of Botanica, Evie Swoboda of Brasserie by Niche, Craig Rivard of Little Fox, and Rob Connolly of Bull Rush, who we have talked to before. Absolutely. Uh, he was, Connolly, by the way, was previously a semifinalist in Beth, Best Chef Southwest, remember that he used to work at a, he's had a restaurant in New Mexico, and now he's here at Bull Rush, has that. Lot of heat coming from St. Louis in that Best Chef Midwest category. Um, Welch is not with Botanica anymore, um, but he opened that up with another, with a brewery owner Back in September, um, he's also known for being at the Midwestern. Lots of good stuff happening. Um, Little Fox obviously has gotten a lot of recognition as well. And you just can never miss a good dinner at Bull Rush. So mm-hmm. lots of great, great nominations on that list for sure. Yeah, and then a, a, a yearly nominated mm-hmm. uh, couple, it seems. Michael and Tara Galena, their Vicia restaurant nabbed a semifinalist nomination in both the Outstanding Wine Program and Outstanding Bar Program categories. Yes, and which reminds me, we spoke with the sommelier. I always have a hard time with this word. Sommelier. Um, The wine expert. The wine expert at Vicia for an episode of this podcast. So there you go. Mm -hmm. We we went to the top, it looks like. And also Chef Michael Galena was named a semifinalist in Best Chef Midwest in 2019 and 2020. Uh, So once again, getting some good recognition right there so huge news huge news for a lot of these places getting an award nomination like this even if they don't make it past the semifinalist part can be a huge boost to their business and it's just something that they carry with them as a recognition for years to come after this so congratulations to all of them Uh, we will link to the story in our story notes um, if you want to read up a little bit more on all of that but we're glad we could bring you this breaking news update Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Almost. Our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. 
three guys we think would really love Mardi Gras. Oh, they get down on it. <laughs> Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, we are going to continue having episodes in your feed, so do not leave us quite yet. Leave us a rating and a review as well, because I just would really like to bring some five-star reviews with me, too. I have always room for that in my boxes as a pack for DC. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on our Instagram at Abby Eats St. Louis or in our email inbox podcast at KSDK.com. Seize the awards, seize the beats, and seize the plate. Testing, hello. If yes. you scroll up, you'll see yeah, more see. of the audios for the levels. Do you see me? I think do you I do. see me? Am I seen? Do I feel seen? You are seen. I am seen. That's my daily affirmation. We should make this into an affirmations podcast. You are seen. You are loved. We love you. That's what we're going to do when I leave. <laughs> that sounds easy. <laughs>